Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, good evening and welcome to the Big Red Bench. Plenty coming up for you between now and 7 o'clock sports-wise. Another busy day in the FA Cup Cross Channel. Plenty games on again this afternoon. But not quite the excitement or the upsets of yesterday. But uh, a Corkman did get on the score sheet and nearly caused an upset before Spurs came back and won ultimately against Morecambe Moore. And that coming up for you in a few minutes. We'll round up all the FA Cup. We're also going to be reflecting on Corsi Rovers today. Disappointment for them in their Munster final Aiden was at that game reaction to come from that very very soon as well we'll also be having reaction to Munster's win good win for them last night against Ulster at Thoman Park and we're going to hear from legendary footballer Aiden O'Mahony he's got a brand new book out and he speaks to us on the show tonight as well Yeah, good evening. A Sunday evening on the Big Red Bench. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you until 7 o'clock. We've got lots to get through between now and 7. As I said, another busy day in the FA Cup. We'll get you some of the full times and round up all of the scores for you in just a few minutes on that front. Um, a mixed day for for Cork teams in the um, Gaelic Games-wise today as well. Corsi Rovers were beaten, unfortunately, uh, by Kilmoyley up in the Gaelic grounds. Aidan was up there for us. We'll chat to Aidan. He'll join us very, very shortly. And uh, we'll hear from the Corsi camp and indeed the Kilmoyley camp as well. A uh, better day then for uh, Bally Giblin. Uh, they were victorious today, so uh, well done to them in their final. Um, it was a, a good victory for them there. So we'll have more on that coming up for you as well in just a few minutes. They edged out Shkihina Rinky. Um, and it was a first uh, AIB Munster Club um, Junior Hurling Championship title for Bally Gibbons and Mallow today. So uh, well done to them. Uh, we'll also be chatting Munster and uh, we'll reflect from on a, a good win for Munster last night. They were behind at half time against Ulster up at Thoman Park and they came back to get the victory so we'll hear from Johan van Gran uh, in just a little while as well and later on in the show we're going to hear from legendary uh, footballer Aidan O'Mahony he's got a brand new book out and he has spoken to us about that so we'll uh, hear all about uh, the book there as well all that plenty more to come between now and 7 o'clock we will start and wrap up the FA Cup for you today because um Another busy day and we got all excited on the show yesterday. It was fierce excitement uh, with a few upsets yesterday at the FA Cup and it was great. I mean, uh, none more so, I suppose, than the Cambridge results against Newcastle winning 1-0 at St. James's Park and I was watching that on Match of the Day last night and what celebrations they had. It was absolutely fantastic and that's what the FA Cup is about. The the old cliche, the magic of the Cup, but the magic of the Cup was certainly in full swing yesterday with that uh, result, Cambridge beating Newcastle and, of course, a couple of other results as well like Kidderminster beating Reading and so on. Uh, amongst others but uh, no real upsets today let's just uh, kind of wrap up some of the uh, Premier League teams involved first of all and I want to start with the uh, Tottenham and Morecambe game in the end Tottenham ended up winning this by three goals to one but for a while for a while until like the 74th minute uh, from the 33rd minute uh, Morecambe took the lead for the 74th minute you thought maybe that Morecambe were going to cause an upset at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in White Hart Lane uh, they were 1-0 up for quite a while and the main thing here is the goal for Morecambe was scored by their captain who was a Cork man his name is Anthony O'Connor he's the captain of Morecambe Football Club and he's, I was just watching the goal on Twitter he scored a goal and uh, celebrated and uh, all the Morecambe fans were celebrating they were in dreamland in the FA Cup and they thought maybe um, I suppose inspired by Cambridge yesterday they could pull off an upset against Premier League giants Tottenham 
it wasn't to be but what an achievement for Anthony O'Connor the Cork man to get on the score sheet and get that goal uh, against Spurs something he's going to remember forever um, um, when he retires I mean for the rest of his life he's going to remember that moment scoring at the Spurs stadium against Tottenham a mag- magical moment for him so well done to Anthony O'Connor absolutely fantastic but uh, it wasn't to be because uh, Spurs big guns came back later on Harry Winks and Lucas Moore and Harry Kane and they got three goals and Spurs won 3-1 but a fantastic moment as we said for the Corkman Anthony O'Connor to get that goal and get on the score sheet and we obviously love to see a Cork fella doing well let's get a roundup on that game let's get a full time report on that game right now because Guy Swindles was there for us watching at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Spurs 3 Morecambe 1 for a long time the shot looked on the cards Morecambe taking the lead in the first half through their skipper Anthony O'Connor and they held it until the 75th minute by which time Harry Kane and Lucas Moura had come on for the home side in the end it was a series of mistakes though that let Spurs back into it first from the keeper Carson as Harry Winks free kick from over near the corner post sailed over his head into the back post then after that the ball was given away by McLaughlin off went Lucas Moura to tuck home and then given away by Lee the ball ending up at the feet of Harry Kane who turned and fired home brilliantly Spurs 3, Morecambe 1 so uh, Spurs getting the win in the end but nearly, nearly another upset and uh, Anthony O'Connor, the Cork man getting the goal for Morecambe in that game so a special moment for him and Spurs boss Antonio Conte he would have been disgusted if they had been knocked out of this stage uh, just as Eddie Howe was yesterday for Newcastle but he says that his much changed side struggled at times but look they got the job done in the end we have to be a bit disappointed because I think that uh, we can do much better but at the end our target was to, to go to the next round and uh, to give chance to players that uh, they didn't play so much in the last period Elsewhere, Shrewsbury were hopeful of causing an upset. Uh, well, maybe maybe not hopeful, but they wanted to cause an upset against Liverpool. They probably knew in reality they wouldn't uh, and that Liverpool would run out fairly easy winners, even though Liverpool had a, had a fairly weakened side out today. But uh, still, they managed a 4-1 win against Shrewsbury Town in the third round FA Cup game. And Shane Pennington was watching for us at Anfield. Liverpool 4, Shrewsbury 1 and Jurgen Klopp's side safely then into the hat for the fourth round draw later on after coming from behind to see off League One Shrewsbury. They took the lead through Nathaniel Lovbutter with a cross from the left-hand side, finding Daniel Udo smashed home on 27 minutes. But then two goals in the space of seven first-half minutes turned the game for Liverpool. Bradley's cross was controlled by Kate Gordon and then he swatted it home from 12 yards out. And then Liverpool getting a penalty just before half-time for Bino scoring from the spot after Ebanks Landl had handled in the area. Then two more goals late on the game put more of a gloss on it for Liverpool. On 78, Gordon's cross found Canate with a shot it fell to Firmino who backheeled home from six yards out and deep into injury time Fabinho got his second smashing home from close range Liverpool 4 Shrewsbury 1 so quite a routine uh, easy win for Liverpool 4-1 in the end there against Shrewsbury I think I think Shrewsbury got a draw against Liverpool in the FA Cup a few years ago but it wasn't to be for them today elsewhere another Premier League team in action Norwich uh, who are way down the bottom of the Premier League they have beaten Charlton 1 in their FA Cup third round game today and Joe Rawson was at Carroll Road watching for us Charlton 0 Norwich City 1 the Premier League club avoiding an upset in the end but Charlton manager Johnny Jackson will reflect on a number of good 
good chances his side missed. The Reds dominated the first half with Elliot Lee, Alex Gilby and Jonathan Lico all firing off target from good positions. It was more of the same after the break. Mason Burstow curling one just wide but it was the Canaries who were clinical when it mattered. Their opportunity came with substitutes Timo Puki and Milos Rashika linking up. Puki breaking into the penalty area, laying the ball across for Rashika on a plate and he tapped home from just outside the six-yard box. Ben Burrington headed against the bar with almost the last action of the game but Dean Smith's side hold on for a morale boosting win full time Charlton nil, Norwich 1 and uh, obviously Norwich would be hoping that their target obviously would be staying up in the Premier League that looks unlikely at this stage for Dean Smith's side but uh, they will be happy uh, nonetheless to have got a victory in the FA Cup today and let's round up all the FA Cup scores for you now from this afternoon there's one game ongoing at the moment it's half time at the city ground in Nottingham and they'll be hoping to cause an upset against Arsenal the visitors there this evening but at half time it is Notts Forest nil. Arsenal nil. Elsewhere today then Luton Town started off the day against Harrogate. <laughs> a clash of the Titans. Um, the early game today. 4-0 uh, there. Luton were winners against Harrogate. Then Cardiff City got a good win after extra time against Preston. Um, they won 2-1 in that one. Norwich as we said got a 1-0 win over, over Charlton today as well. Liverpool as we just heard as well had a 4-1 win over Shrewsbury Town. Stoke City we're up against Leighton Orient today and they had a 2-0 win there. But if you want to feel old, I'll make you feel old right now because making his professional debut in the Stoke City squad today was the grandson of Ian Rice. So his name is Dwight Wright Phillips and he made his debut today for Stoke City. Um, and he's not he's not the son, obviously. Sean Wright Phillips is Ian Wright's son. But Ian Rice like, was playing up until 20 years ago and now his grandson is playing. So, I mean, that means we've seen three generations of the Wright family now. Uh, if, you, if you're watching a match of the day tonight playing professional football. So, uh, fair play to him. Ian Wright's grandson um, amongst the squad for Stoke today. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a 2-0 victory for them there against Leighton Orient. As we said then, Spurs uh, came from behind. Anthony O'Connor from Morecambe the Corkman got the, the goal there uh, from Morecambe put him 1-0 up at Spurs 1-3-1 in the end West Ham an all Premier League tie today uh, had a good win against Leeds United uh, Mario Lanzini and uh, Jared Bowen as well getting the goals for West Ham 2-0 victory there against Leeds United and uh, Wolves had a good win as well against Sheffield United today 3-0 the final score in their game there at uh, Molyneux Stadium it was uh, a good win they progress in the FA Cup there as we said one game ongoing now it was a kickoff at uh, at about 10 past 5 and it was not Forest and Arsenal half time still there scoreless in that game we'll keep you up to date on that right throughout the show as well let's just wrap up some of the other sporting action today as well uh, as we said Kilmoyley made history uh, they edged out Cork's Corsi Rovers in extra time today. It had to go to extra time and Corsis were quite unlucky by the sounds of it. We'll be chatting to Aiden about that who was at the Gaelic Grounds for us today. Uh, final score there at the Gaelic Grounds was Kilmoyley 24 points, Corsi Rovers 21 after extra time. Uh, better day for Cork's Bally Giblin today because Bally Giblin, uh, they beat Skihina Rinke. Uh, I was getting very excited by that name yesterday. Skihina Rinke. Uh, they're on the Cork Tipperary border there. They're just outside Mitchellstown and they used to be on the old Dublin Road on the way up to Dublin. Uh, so Bally Giblin, a good win for them there, 214 to 1-9 and it was a first AIB Munster Club Junior Hurling Championship title for Bally Giblin that was in Mallow today 
and uh, a pair of goals from Sean O'Sullivan both in the second half definitely helped them to victory as well and the free taking of Joseph O'Sullivan as well uh, were notable contributions for Bally Giblin so a good win for them so well done to everyone there elsewhere Gaelic Games wise around the country Podrick Pierce is a Connacht senior football champions uh, the Roscommon men so off Mayo champs Knockmore 1-9 to 1-7 in Ballina this afternoon they'll go on to play Leinster champs uh, Kilmacud Croaks now in the semi-final Limerick champions Kilmallock took on the might of Waterford Kingpins Bally Gunner in the AIB Munster Senior Hurling Championship final that was in Porky Cueve this afternoon and it really proved a masterclass from uh, Bally Gunner from the Dacia Club at Porky Cueve because they ran out winners on a scoreline of 320 to 112 elsewhere then today Henry Shefflin's Galway uh, he got his Galway reign off to a winning start Henry Shefflin today they beat Offaly uh, they defeated Offaly 219 to 19 points in the Walsh Cup in the same competition Leash lost to Wexford on a score of 127 to 116 while Dublin saw off Antrim 227 to 121 in the McKenna Cup it finished Monaghan 16 points Fermanagh 11 points while in the McGrath Cup Tipperary edged Limerick 112 to 14 points and in golf Seamus Power back in action this evening uh, he begins his final round at the Tournament of Champions just after 7 o'clock and the Novak Djokovic saga runs and runs and I, I think it's back in court tomorrow if I'm not mistaken and the Australian government they've hit back now at Novak Djokovic's assertion that he was assured entry with a medical exemption uh, from vaccine requirements for COVID uh, lawyers uh, representing Novak Djokovic they're fighting to, uh, they're, they're, they're trying to keep him in the country basically they're fighting the, the deporta- deportation order um, and they today argued that nobody um, they today argued that Novak Djokovic should have an exemption but uh, the Australian government and lawyers for the Australian government are saying that nobody has a guaranteed right to enter their country and the Australians are pretty sticklers about this uh, with their borders and so on and the court filings for uh uh, the Australian government they also revealed that uh, that Djokovic is unvaccinated as most people knew anyway but uh, he hadn't actually officially confirmed that Australia's COVID border rules they ban non-double vaccinated foreigners from entering unless they have a medical exemption from having the, jo- the jabs Djokovic's legal team are arguing a recent infection gives him a valid exemption but then there was pictures of him out and about after the supposed infection um, in the days after it uh, emerged last night online as well uh, he flew into Melbourne of course last week he's been in a, in a detention hotel since then and he's been given out about the conditions and so on now they don't sound nice in fairness uh, but he's hoping that uh, that the court will overturn that and he'll be able to defend his Australian Open title but I wouldn't hold my breath at all uh, on that if I was Novak Djokovic now we're going to go back to Gaelic Games and we must chat to Aidan because as we said uh, disappointing day for Corsi Rovers today unfortunately but it was a historic day for Kilmoyley uh, they became the, the, the first um, Kerry hurling club to win uh, the Munster title and uh, they made history edging out Corsi Rovers in extra time final score as we said at the Gaelic Grounds Kilmoyley 24 points Corsi Rovers 21 we'll hear um, a little bit later on from Sean Goheen the Corsi Rovers manager we'll also hear briefly from the Kilmoyley camp but I want to chat to Aidan first at the Gaelic Grounds and uh, Aidan as we said disappointed of course he rovers today historic for Kilmoyley um, uh, from Kerry but uh, you're a Kerry man yourself Aidan but I, I like to hope you were you were cheering on the Cork team today uh, obviously uh, in a professional capacity neutral but maybe slightly edging towards the uh, the Cork team I suppose yeah yeah I was, I was keep my, uh, I, I, I'm an opposition club to, to Kilmoyley myself so <laughs> I was able to stay fairly neutral in it fairly neutral and sneakily sneakily hoping maybe Corsi might have got the win today but uh, it looked for quite a while like Corsi would get the victory Aiden, but uh, it wasn't to be in the end and it was a, a close battle really throughout I suppose and Corsi pulled away a few times but Kilmoyley always got back into it Yeah of course they'd be really disappointed to, to, to come out on the losing side 
three points up with with a, a handful of minutes to go towards the end of normal time and they had a couple of chances to really kill off the game and they tore or three wide. Kilmoyle just rallied and came back and uh, Daniel Collins on freeze for Kilmoyle so like nine points from freeze so reliable as always as he has been uh, even when they were in their first final in 2016 uh, in his first final in 2016 against Lismore um, but yeah of course he would be very disappointed uh, their captain Tygo Sullivan stepped up from play he got uh, he got six points from play and all Richard Sweetnam on freeze he put over eight he might have missed one or two but um, in fairness he steadied the ship of course as well in the first half when, when things weren't going so great Kilmoyle came out the blocks they really they, they came out firing uh, they started the brighter and uh, their goalkeeper Stephen Nine, uh, of course Rovers goalkeeper Stephen Nine was was very solid under under that threat they were hit with a bit of a barrage in, in the first half but uh, I suppose it was it kind of did uh, those those goal chances were a bit telling because Kilmoyle were the only ones well there wasn't any goal scored Kilmoyle did have the, the better of the goal chances throughout the whole mm. game of course Rovers really only had one goal chance in all and that was a uh, that was Richard Sweetenham just in the in the second half, um, but yeah, overall I suppose a, a really close tight affair, and it was the free taking really that that um, that proved crucial uh, in the end. And yeah, of course these be they'll be really disappointed. Yeah, it does sound that way that, that that they'll they'll feel they left it behind, I suppose, Aiden. I mean, they were they were four points up at one stage uh, as late as like fifteen minutes to go, and was it that Kilmoyle just rallied and then they had that momentum going into extra time? Yeah, the atmosphere was uh, unbelievable. Uh, most of the Kilmoyle fans were, were down in front of us and the, the noise, the roars that were coming from them, like uh, I can imagine what it's been like to have been a player on the pitch when you, when you hear that. But yeah, of course, they hit a few wides, they gave Kilmoyle a bit of hope and they're one team, uh, as we know in Kerry, they're one team that you, you cannot give them that any sort of glimmer of hope and they clung on to any sort of chance they had and those wides from Corsa Rovers almost gave, gave, gave Kilmoyle confidence uh, and they went up the field and and they just attacked and they won the freeze and I think there was there was one point from play as well out near the sideline. Um, it was possibly uh, Kieran McCarthy I think who got it uh, out, out wide uh, for Kilmoyle. It was a huge score for them at that point and it, it turned the tide and the momentum was with them and even again an extra time. Of course the Rovers never really were in the driving seat. You felt Kilmoyle kind of had that upper hand on them throughout the whole period of extra time. Do you feel it was maybe like Corsi's tired into the extra time? Were their legs gone or was it a case of maybe just the fact that Kilmoyle had got back so many times and got back and brought it to extra time? What was the kind of what was the, was the wind knocked out of them at that stage? You couldn't really pick out that it was a, a massive sort of uh, you know loss of loss of, of legs on the pitch. Uh, you know, I, I would I, I would suggest that Corsi Rovers probably have a slightly deeper panel than Kilmoyle. Mm. Kilmoyle made a lot of changes where they brought the same players back on and back off. They brought on their full forward, Adrian Royal. He was down to start. He didn't start. He came on and came off and came on again in extra time, you know. So there was a lot of that yeah. that going on. And, uh, of course, the Rovers would have probably arguably had the fresher legs, uh, but Kilmoyle just dug in uh, and they fought with everything they had. And just looking at the, the scores, you know, from midfield, they got four points from midfield, Kilmoyle, uh, Kieran McCarthy and Paulie Connor. Paulie Connor got three points in, in the first half, you know. And, um, I think they'll be, of course, the Rovers will be most disappointed that, that Sean Toomey, who was somebody that would have been earmarked, didn't really get into the game. And he wasn't really allowed to get into the game. Fermi McCarthy, the Kilmoyle captain, Fermi McCarthy, the Kilmoyle captain, uh, really uh, strung him up and uh, didn't allow him to do too much. Uh, so, of course, he'll be disappointed with that. Uh, but overall, you have to say, Kilmoyle did deserve the win. And it's a huge, it caps off a huge weekend for Kerry Hurling. 
having beating, uh, having beat the Tipperary senior hurlers for the very first time yesterday in town as well. I saw you tweeting about that yesterday, and actually, uh, uh, you were a happy man, I suppose, as a Kerry man, and that, that was a big thing for Kerry, as you say, it's a big weekend for Kerry hurling overall now, really, isn't it? Huge, yeah, and particularly Stephen Lumphy was Stephen Lumphy's first game as, as Kerry senior hurling manager, and this now, and, and that was, you know, without those Kilmiley players would be so integral to to that panel going forward, the likes of Flora McCarthy, Paddy O'Connor, Daniel Collins, of course, and, and Morris O'Connor, who scored four points as well from play for, for Kilmiley. They'll be huge going forward for Kerry, and yeah, it's massive, it is massive, and um, huge for Kerry hurling that we have club and county teams pulling off big victories in the one weekend. And uh, it's on now to the to the All Ireland semi final for Kilmoyle for the very first time. I was just going to say it. Um, I mean, they made history today. Really, first Kerry side to, to win it and uh, to go on now to the the semi final. I mean, how, how far can they go now? I think they're playing. Is it is it Banner? I'm reading they're playing. I'm not too sure. Was there a draw being made after this game? Um, they'll fancy their chances against whoever they come up against. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, John Moyler actually wasn't there today. Uh, he wasn't on the sideline with Kilmoyle. Funnily enough. Uh, when John Moyler was over Corsi Rovers in 2011 they were beaten in the semi-final of the Munster by Ballyduff uh, another Kerry team Ballyduff went <laughs> on to lose that final uh, and uh, I think they're the only three finals that the Kerry team have been in is 2011-16 and today uh, so yeah Moyler will be back for that you would imagine uh, I think he, he had uh, uh, something booked today that he couldn't get out of so uh He'll be back on the sideline and uh, there'll be plenty of cork interest, I suppose, when he's back on the sideline with Kilmiley as well. There certainly will. And uh, you were chatting, we'll hear from the both camps shortly now after we wrap up chatting to you, Aidan. But um, you were chatting to both camps after and we'll hear those interviews shortly. And I, I'd imagine Sean Gaheen and, and the Corsi's camp, they were they were pretty disappointed at the end, were they? Uh, he was, Sean. He was he was very disappointed. Fair play to me. It's always tough to, to go up to somebody after, after a loss and try and interview them. But... Um, Look, I suppose he was just a, he was immensely proud of his players. I mean, they were on a fantastic journey to get there. Uh, teams don't usually set out. Uh, maybe Kilmiley actually kind of do, funny enough, might have it in the back of their head that we're going to win a, a county championship and go on to Munster. But uh, like Stephen or like uh, Sean said, um, uh, Corsi Rovers, they, they didn't plan on getting there. But he, he says when you're in the final, you always want to win it. And it'll hurt. It'll definitely hurt uh, Corsi Rovers. But I mean, at the same time, they've got this far, it'll, it'll kind of set them up well and confident for next season as well, I suppose. Exactly, yeah. Going up into senior now, um, you know, they, I suppose the first thing you want to do when you're a new team in senior is to just hold your hold your own and, and, and stay up. And uh, they show today that they, they definitely have the capability to fight and do that. Um, you know, they have a fantastic goalkeeper in Stephen Nine uh, who pulled off some amazing saves and, and one or two long-range frees as well. Uh, one long-range free, sorry. Um, and... They have plenty of players uh, and, and look today, they look back on and they'll learn from it and they'll carry that into, into next year going into senior, uh, which is a, a huge thing to have when you're able to look on those two more games that you've had, that, you know, the likes of teams who, who were, were out after the group stage in, in senior this year, uh, Corsi Rovers might have that edge on them going into next year. Absolutely. Listen, Aidan, we'll let you get on the road there and get out of the Gaelic grounds. Um, thanks a million for all your coverage today and we'll chat to you soon, all right? Not a bother. Thanks a million. All right, we're going to hear now from the the Corsi's camp and obviously a disappointed Corsi's camp as well. Uh, so let's get the reaction. Speaking to Aidan after the game in the Gaelic Grounds this afternoon of the Corsi Rovers boss, Sean Gaheen. I think he had a one, like when you were three up in the last couple of minutes. We were four up, was it? Uh, three, three 17, four. 14, was it? But uh, I didn't take a win. I, I, I did, certainly didn't see it. When you have a pop of the ball, I didn't say it. When you three yeah. points, it's a dangerous lead to oh, have. Uh, what I'd be more disappointed is the mistakes we've done to, to leave him back in the game and a couple of super frees. Um, we never closed them out, yeah. you know, and, and that's the, probably disappointing. 
uh, when we got into a position to do it we, we didn't and, and we paid the price um, and I suppose in the, in the first quarter like, they, they started well like and maybe we're playing kind of at a, a hurried, higher intensity mm. and took you a while to get into it but yeah. you looked to have kind of settled in by, by half time see like with Kilmile I suppose you know they're used to the Munster Championship they're, they're 20 years trying to win this they're supposed to yeah. win 10 or, 10 or 11 counties in the last 20 years uh, it's probably all new to us but still in saying that we trained hard expecting that so yeah. it wasn't the case that we weren't used to it because we did train very hard and physical and we knew we'd be a lot of contact and so on like that yeah. and aggression in their place so no we, we trained but we'd be disappointed I suppose and I I, I can't fault the players because they've been amazing all year yeah. and they really haven't the games they won close games this is the first game they've lost yeah. close to be fair to the guys they can so we were, look it's a learning process you know, you, you, you learn you know, you learn from today yeah. and, and make it better, please God, uh, in the future. And, and that's the bottom line, that it's it's still a, a great year for you, you know, and you are gonna be playing at a higher grade next year, like so you know, this is just of this course, is one setback, but it, of course, you know it's, it's, it's we always said uh, the, the, you know when we won the county that was the priority at the end of the day. Obviously when you go to Munster, I, I we would love to drive on and try to make an impression in Munster. Uh, to get to the final was it was great, but when you get to finals, you want to win them. Yeah. You know. So, but overall, they're up senior next year, um, and it's a great learning curve and it's a great experience for the boys to be a monster and it's Stanton in the future. No doubt about that. Quick word there, uh, Stephen and goals are super free as well. There, yeah, a, couple a couple of, of chances and, and the long range frees as well. That's right. Free. He made it, made a couple of greats. Yeah. So, about like Stephen, Stephen's top class. In fairness, he hears it all. Um, you know, he made this two stages he made were fantastic, um, but I suppose. In general, look, I, I suppose overall, I know Stephen just taunted him there, how disappointing overall to lose the game, and but you know, that's life, you win some, you lose some. That is Corsi's boss, Sean Goheen, there chatting to Aidan and the media there at the Gaelic Grounds after their defeat to kill Moyley today. As we said, a disappointing day for Corsi Rovers, the final score there at the Gaelic Grounds, kill Moyley 24 points, Corsi Rovers. 21. So Kilmoyley march on now and of course he lived to uh, fight another day or at least they'll have to wait till next year to fight another day. We're going to briefly hear now from the Kilmoyley camp and uh, their chairman Joe Walsh. I suppose a huge day for Kerry Hurland but uh, I suppose for yourselves this is, you've had a few attempts at this, it must be great to finally land it. Yeah, we, we see it and like we don't get too many opportunities I suppose the thing we were conscious that in 2016 we got to the final and um, didn't wasn't good enough on the day I suppose against the strong Lismore team you know but today we thought we had a good 50-50 you know we thought if the boys bought their game we'd definitely 50-50 and Jesus they, like they did they were, they were outstanding like. Daniel Daniel from Freeze again oh superb oh my god uh, towards the end as well Free, he held the nerve and yeah, got you yeah, over the line yeah, yeah that's it it all comes down to taking your chances and that's it Cardi was of course all over the place three points in the first nine minutes but, you know unbelievable like all over the pitch you know the whole defence and, 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 and the lads that came in and did a job and the lads came back in again the second time and did a job that's it no, huge day not a Huge day for Kilmoyley making history there. Uh, much happier uh, Kilmoyley chairman Joe Walsh than uh, Sean Gaheen of Corsi Rovers. There, obviously, who was disappointed uh, that they they just kind of just kind of let it slip today, unfortunately, against uh, Kilmoyley. But I'm sure Corsi's will be back stronger than ever 
next season please God uh, right uh, just before we move on to rugby let's just have a look at the FA Cup latest as well for you we gave you all the scores earlier on but there is one game ongoing at the city ground in Nottingham it is Knott's Forest up against Arsenal just coming up on 60 minutes on the clock there it remains scoreless in that game so uh, Knott's Forest still maybe harbouring hopes of maybe causing an upset but at the moment uh, it's very much uh, evenly poised there nil-nil between Knott's Forest and Arsenal now uh, Munster were in action last night and uh, they were up against Ulster and um, it was a tough game for Munster last night in Thoman Park. It wasn't uh, as easy as many might have expected but uh, Munster got the victory after being they were behind at half time and in the end Munster got a good victory there. 18-13 the final score in Thoman Park last night between Munster and Ulster in the United Rugby Championship and important for Munster to get that win just from a, a psychological perspective last night and just from a, a confidence perspective I suppose heading, heading into their back-to-back Champions Cup games big games coming up over the next two weeks against Cast next week they're away to Cast next week in France uh, that's on Friday night at 8 o'clock and then the following weekend a big game back at Thoman Park Munster hosting Wasps at Thoman Park in the Champions Cup that's um, on Sunday the 23rd of January at quarter past three so good for them to get that win last night in the United Rugby Championship 18-13 against Ulster uh, we'll hear briefly from Joran Van Gran in a second but just a, a brief reaction first from a, the Ulster boss Dan McFarland I think uh, there, there are a couple of key moments in the second half there and we we, we, we got a little bit of control of, of territory and then weren't persistent either with a little bit of decision making but also a little bit of execution of the of the, of the kick in um, you know they obviously grew a leg as they always do when they're in, in hard situations and I thought they were magnificent when they went down to 14 men um, I thought they would be and they were they were tigerish in the way that they played and uh, we didn't quite match that and as, as a consequence we, we deservedly lost Dan McFarland saying Munster deserved the victory last night 18-13 the final score Munster boss Johan van Gran he was, uh, was criticised for his post or his pre-match comments and interviews quite a bit by fans online actually but uh, let's hear what he had to say after the game and uh, after uh, the victory for Munster last night against Ulster. Yeah, look, uh, we we stuck to our plan. Um, uh, you know, losing Pete there at the back end of the warm-up, uh, went to Tig and you know, captain is um, his club for the first time. Um, just before often pull the players together and then say, look, no excuse. Uh, Tig's is is trading and you know the the red card. Look, high speed incidents. You know, uh, kick chase, and unfortunately, Zeebs made that tackle. And look, we just stuck in. Uh, I, I felt tactically we were very good with 14 men. You know, some scrums were in seven, some went with eight. We we did a few different things with our lineout. We had to adapt to going to five men lineout. So pleasing about the win, uh, pleasing that we kept our belief, and um, you know, pleasing that in, in very trying conditions uh, we kept our composure and grinded out a win. Every week is different. Uh, it's been well documented from our side. We just try and improve week on week and I felt we made some good decisions and you know the, the game was on the line for 13-11 and um, now I, I felt we 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 improved our decision making on last week specifically close to the goal line and you know, fair play to all the coaches and the players involved. Oh, you could see it in there tonight it's all about heart and um, you know, it's all about the club and nobody's above the club everybody's all in for Munster and it uh, doesn't matter you know uh, there's always end dates to contracts once you're part of the Munster family you stick it all in I thought the leadership stuck in well I thought uh, tight five loose forwards Mike Ailey was excellent in, in organising that backfield and you know, fair play to Rory Scandal big mention for him for his 150 
Yeah, that is Monster Boss Johan Van Gran, uh, departing Monster Boss Johan Van Gran at the end of the season. But uh, he did, was happy with that victory last night. 18 13 for them for Munster against Ulster and Thomond Park last night. Um, and uh, of course, as we said, back to back Champions Cups games now coming up for Munster over the next two weeks against Cast and against Wasps. So uh, hopefully, Munster can march on now and get those big European wins over the next couple of weeks. Arsenal are trying to get a win in the FA Cup at the moment against Knott's Forest, but uh, no goals there still. 63 minutes on the clock now. Still Knott's Forest nil, Arsenal nil in that FA Cup game. Coming up for you after the break, we are going to have an extended interview with uh, legendary footballer Aidan O'Mahony, his brand new book out. We'll hear from him in just a few minutes here on the Big Red Bench and Cork's Red FM. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. The Big Red Bench, it's Colin with you all until 7 as we wrap up a, a busy weekend of sport. And we're going to have an extended interview now with uh, former Kerry footballer Aidan O'Mahony because he's got a brand new book out called Unbroken. And it's actually quite fitting that we're going to hear from Aidan O'Mahony tonight because not only is he a former Kerry footballer, he's also a former Dancing with the Stars contestant. And uh, that's starting on TV this evening as well. So uh, I don't think he's going to chat much to Valerie about Dancing with the Stars, but it might get a brief mention but it's more so about his uh, GA career his football career and about his new book Unbroken Aidan O'Mahony has been chatting to Valerie um, yeah so look um, the book kind of started out an idea I was on the Camino in 2019 um, with Cry and uh, I spent a week with probably 20 or 25 people um, who were all on their own journey and when I was finishing up that week I had kind of goals in my mind that I wanted to do and writing a book was kind of one of them and um, the way it kind of happened and I I got contacted by a girl called Kira Dooley who's from Hatchet and we met up in Dublin and sat down and she asked if I ever talked about writing a book and for me obviously it was something that you know never came into my head because kind of saying number one what would I have to write about a book and number two was who would read it um, and that's where it started and obviously it started to start the lockdown Um I suppose it's different, Valerie, in that it's it's a very open book. Um, it kind of, I suppose, for want of a word, it's like taking the jersey off the player and seeing the person. Um, you know, I think a lot of times when you play sport, and I know myself, if you're talking to young kids in a school or you're talking to a business, you're addressed by what you've won. And um, a lot of times what I found is that it's like you're you're nearly a fraud because you're actually not giving an insight into the person. You're just saying what they've won and you're kind of saying to people, well, you can be that person someday. And um, for me, that's why I think Unbroken came about. And look, I have plenty of controversies um, on the pitch and off the pitch and um, they're all in the book um, addressed. And I suppose one of the biggest topics in the book is uh, mental health, where... Uh, back in 2010, um, I suppose for me, I was an introvert and I was someone that I suppose was very deep in themselves and didn't think I needed help. And, um, you know, I found that if I could, if I spoke about my mom, my own mental health at that time, that it would look as a weakness um, because I had this perception that people thought that, you know, when I put on that jersey and crossed the white line, I played in the edge and that I was tea tough and, that was the persona I thought I needed to live by. Um, and I found that if if I spoke about my mental health then and went about um, addressing it, that it would be seen as a weakness. And, um, you know, that's where Unbroken came from. Well, when it comes to mental health, then you've, you've hit the nail on the head there that 
How come in GA do you think, Aidan, that players, especially male players, find it very difficult to speak out about maybe that they're suffering or something's going on? Is it because you're on the pitch and you just said you're known as this hard player that goes out and gets the job done? Do they find it hard to speak out because of that? I think so. I think we're looking out, Valerie, nowadays that um, people are more open and honest about it. You know, it's a topic that's spoken about a lot. And I think for me back then, you know, sports psychology had just come into sport. And But like you said there, I was one of those people that, you know, I, I thought that we would be seen as a weakness if I needed to go get it. Like for me, I grew up um, as an introvert. You know, I always kept everything inside me and never dealt with anything. Um, you know, from 2010 to... From 2010, sorry. Um, from... I suppose the, the time from getting help, um, those years, um, I was a very negative person. Um, you know, sport was the last thing on my mind. Um, I pushed people away. I know my own family. I was very distant from them. Um, and like, it's tough. And when you write a book, you start reflecting on that and you start reliving it. And like, I was a very difficult person back then. Like I had those instances in 2008. I didn't address them. 2009, I got dropped from um, Kerry which was only a small issue because it was all, all those things were snowballing into it. And as I said, when you're an introvert person, like you keep all those things inside. And then I remember 2010, um, I was playing league and I got sent off in the last game. And I found myself after the game socialising more, not for the want of enjoyment, but just, I, it was like I was trying to punish myself and punish my body. And, um, you know, as I said, like I was very negative to be around and I know people wouldn't say it to me. Um, I got a very deep personality and I think it kind of came to the conclusion because I, I walked away from football. Um, life was just like a, a constant routine where there was no enjoyment. And I didn't know the meaning of mental health. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And um, I was very fortunate that I have a very supportive family, which was a very difficult time for them where you're seeing the, the baby of the family or the youngest, you know, and when everyone looks in, you're saying, oh, he's a J player and everything's great for him and he's healthy. And I was far from it. And... Um, I'd look back and I'd say at myself that time, I was a very dislikable person. You know, I've no problem saying that. And, you know, as I said, that morning that I went on that journey from like what you read in the book, um, my parents at home, and it's something I say constantly, like you should never see your mom and dad crying. And that was tough to kind of relive it again. And um, for all the great days I gave them, you know, seeing them um, look at their son in a broken state, um, it's very tough to kind of relive it and to reflect on that. But, you know, I'm very um, grateful to my family for, for I suppose, number one, what they went through. But, you know, they didn't give up me and they gave me a push in the right direction. Yeah, you mentioned there that, you know, bringing it all back up and talking about it in the book. And how long did it take you to write the book? It took a good bit of time, Valerie. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote um, <laughs> I wrote with Michael Mine in, um, in the Examiner. Uh, he was a ghost writer. It says you're go- not a ghost anymore. But yeah. uh, lockdown came along and it was it was more difficult. Um, in that, you know, I said a meeting in person, which we did a few times. Um, it was over the phone, and you know, I, I became like a writer myself, and it was very enjoyable. And as I said, it was stressful because like writing the book. I suppose um, from the years I've played, there's been a lot of books, excellent books from the lads I've played, which you know, some of the greatest players ever play in the GA and you know when Unbroken came along then obviously people probably say oh another GA book um, so it wasn't that I was trying to write something different 
it was that I just wanted to write something about the person that maybe people saw a glimpse of in Dancing with the Stars with the stress levels I had in that. But um, at the same time, um, you know, like I know when you when you play sport and you play in the edge like I did, mm. you probably, I won't for one call them a lot of enemies probably from other counties as in <laughs> stuff like you're not the most liked person or something. So like when you have controversies in on the pitch, you know, sympathy is in short supply and... Um, you know, it's for me, it's addressing them um, and talking from my side. And it's not, as I said, looking for sympathy or pity, but just they're out there because I know myself and you probably see this value where when you're on social media and I do a Q&A every Thursday night, and last time those messages sent into me, well, you cheated and, you know, you failed a drug test and you were the first J player. And I think they send them to me in this hope that I, that I won't answer them. And, um, you know, and they put their names somewhere everything like, and I think that's the way media's gone. But, like now I can deal with those things back yeah. 10 years. I couldn't. And uh, look, I have no problem saying that now. Yeah. And I, so to be honest, sometimes I do see you sharing the negative comments and I do see you poking fun at them. And it's probably the, the only way to deal with them, you know, let them know that it's not bothering you. But I presume that there's some bit of sport in the book as well. And to be honest, you weren't really a big sports head when you were growing up. It actually took you quite some time to get into it. Aiden. No, I like... Um, I think my dream was not put on the, the, the green gold jersey. I think it was become a farmer. Um, you know, that's <laughs> the, um, with a sheep farm at home. Um, like the, the one thing I always say is like you, you talk about influencers and influence in your life. And for me, that was a big thing, like, because, you know, my dad, he worked in Cadbury's and he came home and ran the farm. And my oldest brother, Noel, um, he ran the farm in the, in the family. And for me, when I finished school, um, you know, everything was going back to confess where we have a sheep farm up the mountains. And that's who I was. I loved it. It was a very kind of, I suppose, safe kind of life. And that's why the whole introvert thing came from where, like, I love that part where, like, you're in that safe environment. And then, obviously, going from the school where I grew up and there was four or five in the class, and then you're going to a big school and all these things. Like, um, and <clears throat> so, yeah, like, the, the football thing was, it was never in my mind. Look, I wasn't one of these players that had dreams of being. Um, the next superstar for Ratmore or for Kerry football. Um, it happened organically and I was probably very fortunate, no different to a lot of clubs and counties where you have people that are never mentioned in life, but they give you the tools to, I suppose, get involved in sport, number one, but to push you forward and they give you, they believe in you and that belief comes out in yourself then. Like, so, you know, that's that's probably the start of the book. Um, they'll see the, the big farmer in here. And then, of course, it leads us on to the asthma when you were diagnosed with asthma, I suppose. And then you also found it difficult to play that. And that's when this, I suppose, thing happened in 2008 for you, Aidan, the first player to have failed a drug test of banned substance. substance. I mean, do we hear about this much in the book? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big chapter in it as well. Um, for me, yeah, look, I was diagnosed with asthma at eight. Uh, no different to any asthmatic. Um, playing sports is difficult. I think mm. when growing up, you know, um, there was no insulated houses or there wasn't, I suppose, the the areas that are, are available to people now. Um, and look, it was a barrier for me. I have no problem saying it for years. Um, I'm not going to say it was an obstacle that that was the reason that I didn't progress into football later in life. It was yeah. just one of those things that, that holds you back. And um I think then in 2008, when I became the first player to fail a drug test, um, I think the hardest part was when that was released. I think the media, 
just kind of covered it in that Omega Fails drug test. There was no mention of an inhaler. Um, it floored me. I have no problem saying it. Um, like I, I can remember getting the paper, like saying, look, the levels of salbutamol were high. And then I took no more notice until obviously I went to work and the following morning, I finished working, got up. And as I said to this day, I can remember the, the 89 calls and people messaged you saying, you need to talk to this one, you need to talk to that one. And your name is going to be, uh, you're going to be named. And it was leaked. And that was tough to take because like what you come out and said, and a lot of people said to me, do you know why you come not speak about it? I, I, I see even social media now where you can come out and you can be honest, but maybe that, that honesty doesn't fit the story better than what's out there. And um, it physically drained me that you spend your whole, I suppose, life trying to overcome um, asthma and then all of a sudden kind of kicks you in the backside. And, you know, I know myself when, when I started out or when you, the therapeutic forms come in and you fill them out and I put in, I take the inhaler two or three times a day. And then when I went up to the meeting and they asked me like, uh, how many times? And I said, oh, I take it two times. And they were like, each time. And I said, yeah. And they said, why didn't you put that in the form? And I was there as a player. You fill out the form. You go out on the pitch. You don't think any more of it, Valerie. And um, I think that's when the seriousness of the whole drug testing came in. But for me, even going to work and papers coming in the door at work, uh, O'Mahony fails drug tests and you're trying to explain to your your bosses and everything. And obviously over the the, the diving incident um, two months previously, like sympathy was in short supply. So, you know, like there, there was a fine thing <laughs> to it as well. And um, I even... The like, people of Cork's Red FM will remember that diving incident, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like and like and even that incident, and typically on that note, like it was an embarrassment, you know. Um, but people I think make mistakes, in do you know what I mean? Like, and you I, learn from them. Yeah, and I know that, but like at the same time, for me, like you're when you play in the edge, as I said already, like that's something that's no go. Like in in Kerry, and no different Cork, you know, J is it's a religion, I and mean, like that, it was an embarrassment to me, my family. Um, I think the hardest part was like I grew up playing against Dunica and when he was playing with Duhalo like the whole way up and to do something like that to play then like it's 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 unforgivable from a sports sense but for me um, you know and rightly so I had my mind that time like that you deserve everything that's coming at you and then when the Hainer thing came along it was like this, it was karma you know for the whole thing and uh, he was trying to deal with it and as you said there I still get that video sent to me and you know, I've dealt with it. I have to move on. I've I held my hand up. I apologize for it. You know, um, we all make mistakes in life, and it's amazing how people are quick to kind of tarnish you with something like that. Which, as I said, I've completely owned it. And as I said, there's no place in the GA or sport for it. But yeah, it was it, 2008. Was it was an interesting year. Yeah, and to be honest, like it sounds like it still affects you, kind of, Aidan, to be honest, because I can't imagine what it's like, okay, your name was leaked, you probably had to deal with what, what are the consequences, you know, your job and all this, and then you had to get a solicitor involved, and then you'd go to this hearing. What was the process of the hearing like at the time? Like, I mean, that must have been very difficult. It's, I think it's no different to anything else. You're trying to kind of, you're kind of wondering what's what's ahead of you. Um, for me, one thing was, it was in the media, and the whole thing about oh man he fails drug tests I remember being Bob in Limerick we were going to a rugby game and it broke on the news um, Kerry J player fails drug test and I was in, the, in Tim Smith's bar at the time with a few of my friends and like if the ground could ever swallow me up in life um, that was one of those nights where people turn around that's him that's him and all this and then obviously as the night went on people get a lot braver and 
comments being passed and people talking behind your back, making sure you can hear them. And that's when you see the seriousness of it. And then going up to the meetings um, in Dublin and your city around a big long table and the doctor's there from Kerry and your solicitor's there and there's a two-year ban hanging over you and you're kind of saying to yourself, geez, I'm asthmatic here. And then you explain yourself and they take everything on board and they say, yeah, look, he wasn't trying to improve his whatever, his um, performance. performance and his performance. And like the game that happened in the Tyrone game that I'm trying was probably the worst game I ever played. Um, so, um, which like I remember after that, being on the boat, working, um, it was coming from every angle. As I said, there was letters coming in my door in Cork. Um, and, you know, like, which is fine too. Like, um, looking back and now, I handled it probably worse than that. I didn't deal with it or go to talk to someone about it. Mm-hmm. And as I said, the introvert thing then from being a child and the whole asthma thing. And it drove me on to 2010, where, as I said, you're all socialising more. And like, as a sports player, that's, that's a no-go area, you know. And um, I found when I was out socialising then that all these emotions start coming up and people I'd say were looking at me saying this was a total oddball, and which I was. And... Um, like I handled that period of my life very badly and like I needed that help and that's why I took that uh, journey to Ashery which I suppose before I went in there you're kind of wondering what people will say about you and you know you come out of that in kind of saying why were you wondering what people spoke about you in the first place because yeah. you know people are all you know, um, but for me those six weeks of going into therapy um like I won't say it changed my life, but there's there was two roads in life for, for me. Um, one where it was a dark road where I could see myself going down, and I needed my family to support me, and they did. And you know they made big decisions. And number two, um, for me, like it's it was like dropping that guard. Excuse the pun. And um, like I was a closed book at the time, and going in there, um, like addressing everything I'd had in my life, letting myself become more open and then coming out. And <laughs> I can remember um, the the week after I came home, um, you know, meeting my parents and, you know, just the, I suppose, uh, their expressions on their face of seeing a totally different person where he went in broken, mm-hmm. came out unbroken. And, you know, I got back to, I suppose, what I was doing, uh, I got back to my club. Um, very fortunate community that welcomed me back with open arms. Um, I remember playing the championship game the week after I came out, and the week after there was a picture in the paper, and the caption was um, "Fall Idol." So I'd, I'd been putting the flat fell out of my backside in the game, and uh, that was a caption "Fall Idol." And like it wasn't meant in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that caption, I just kind of for me, it was a great thing because. You know, I was able to tease it out and say, well, that's not what I'm going to be remembered for before I went in to Ashery. Um, like I'd given up everything. Um, life was a constant routine without enjoyment. I walked away from sport, um, something that I believe had given me an identity. And, you know, I came out, as I said, a more open person. Look, it doesn't make me perfect. But sometimes I look back when I was writing about this, that... You take, you kind of give yourself a pat on the back that um, you went for that help. And, yeah. you know, one shoe doesn't fit everyone. And, but for me, I had hit my own rock bottom at the time. And um, it was a road I needed to take. 
Yeah, well, you're extremely open and honest now, and it's great. And I think the book will be an amazing read, and I can't wait to get stuck into it. I'm sure a lot of people listening as well might go in and buy it after listening to you as well. But then you have plenty of highs, and not you'd lows and you'd highs. But you, when you were tired, you wanted something to, I suppose, fill the gap in. And then we all saw a different side to you for an introvert for you to put on those dancing shoes to change the boots to the shoes. I mean, fair play to you at the time as a guard going in there. That must have been very difficult, Aidan. Yeah, like I think when you talk about the divide in your life, um, I went in, I suppose, to put more stress in my life, I'd say. Um, <laughs> you know, it was an experience, I suppose, for me. Um, you've, you've an opinion in your head of what you think actually thanks to the stars is going to be, and then you land the first day and you see about 200 people walk in a set and there's a big long catwalk and it's covered in glitter. <laughs> all the other personalities from media and acting and you're saying oh god what am I getting my <laughs> no I think it's the one lesson I took away from it that if you see something in life and you give yourself every reason why you shouldn't do it and why it's not you then you should just go for it because you know for me um, yeah I, I gave myself 101 reasons why I shouldn't do it but it was an amazing experience you know it was it was stressful <laughs> stressful because when you're a GA player the, the movement and mobility wasn't great and <laughs> You know, it was. It was an enjoyable um, chapter. And, you know, when it finished, I think the great thing about being from a GA background, it's like having nine months of a year with 30 lads. When it finishes half in all Ireland or whenever you finish, you park it and you step away from it. And that was the one thing that I took away from the GA, like the dancing. When it finished, so I remember Tuesday, um, sitting in the coach with Denise and Lucia was after being born, I think, two or three weeks. And I was just there, no dancing this week. <laughs> Zen amazing memories. Yeah, it was it was yeah, it was a great chapter. That is Aidan O'Mani, the uh, the Kerry footballer, the former Kerry footballer, and uh, speaking about his new book, about his career to Valerie, and uh, towards the end there, speaking about Dancing with the Stars, and of course his appearance at Dancing with the Stars, and uh, Dancing with the Stars is back on telly tonight, a brand new brand new series of it. Uh, it's just kicked off on TV there the last half an hour or so, and uh, I think I'll go home and watch it on the Plus One now, and uh, and see how they all get on the new contestants. Uh, there's no Aidan O'Mani this year, but there is uh, there is Grainne Shoiga and, uh, and loads more on it as well. So a big, big lineup again this year. Um, just before we finish up, there could possibly be another uh, upset in the FA Cup on the cards here at the City Ground in Nottingham. Okay, so it's 87 minutes on the clock now. And the latest score, 88 minutes on the clock, in fact. And the latest score there is Notts Forest 1. Arsenal nil. This would be a big shocker now. Notts Forest won, Arsenal nil. So there is uh, just two minutes plus at a time, stoppage time for Arsenal to get back into that. But uh, could we see another upset? It'd be, it'd be a big upset. It wouldn't be as big, obviously, as the uh, as the upset yesterday of Cambridge beating Newcastle, but it would be a big, big upset if Arsenal were knocked out of the FA Cup in the third round by championship side Notts Forest. So we'll see how that plays out over the next few minutes. But that is us out of time for this evening. Have a lovely Sunday evening, whatever you're doing if you're watching Dancing with the Stars whatever you're up to have a great Sunday evening and stand by for Alan Donovan he's on the way next on Green and Red Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM It's time to 